Welcome to episode 177 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in a broad 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. Joining me again this week is fellow analyst and very tired Hanshul Sag as a new guy, and I'm Will Townsend. Hey, buddy, before we jump into it, like, how are things going at home? Better? If you can tell by my bags, I'm still not getting enough sleep, but it's going more smoothly. We're leaving the house regularly, not just staying holed up in the house. She sleeps really well during the day, not so well during the night. But yeah, it, it, it's it's getting better, and I'll I'll start going to uh, industry events next month. I'll go to one. I'll be going to the Intel IFS inaugural event. That's the one event I'll be going to next month, and then March is just back to normal. So good. I'm not really on paternity leave as I'm doing this podcast, but I'm also not really working at 100% capacity. No, I hear you. It's hard as analysts for us to take a day off. I am in the Florida Keys at my place in Isla Mirada. I needed events. I drove through a snowstorm visiting my wife's parents last week. And so I'm going to work remotely down here. I'm doing a dry January. Still continuing that. I've been good on that. So it'll be tough not to go to some of my favorite places here in Isla Mirada, but I'll I'll hit the water and, and get some snorkeling in and whatnot. But let's jump into it. We've got a lot to talk about this week. And uh, you and I are both going to talk about earnings. I'm going to take AT&T to start. And you're going to talk about T-Mobile here in a moment. But AT&T did post its fiscal uh, fourth quarter 2023 and year-end results. The stock was down. And you're going to start to talk about T-Mobile and, what, and how the market reacted to their, their earnings as well. They had modest growth and progress and mobility services, but Fiverr continues to be a real standout for, for AT&T. They, they ended the year adding another million subscribers. And so that kind of equates to over a 25% in growth. And uh, that is quite impressive. AT&T continues to invest in its Fiverr build out. Uh, but let me also mention from a mobility standpoint, uh, there was some growth in postpaid both in uh, net sub ads as well as net photo ads. And I think a lot of it has to do with AT&T executing on building out its mid-band spectrum. And we've talked about that on numerous podcasts as well. But all in all, even though the market didn't you know, react tremendously favorably to the earnings, hey, given the circumstances, broadband is a very bright point for AT&T. And I do think that there is some additional headroom, as we've discussed on prior podcasts, AT&T launched its consumer 5G fixed wireless access service last year, Internet Air. And I believe that's, it's in limited markets now, but as they build that offering out, I believe that's going to provide some additional incremental revenue for them. But what are your thoughts before we jump into T-Mobile? Um, I think AT&T is showing that when you execute on your core business and focus on it, you can do well. They've pretty much divested from, or at least, pulled out from all their media stuff and just focusing on fiber, focusing on 5G wireless and what the experience has gotten better. Customers are happy, you know, that they're seeing growth and profitability. And, you know, as somebody who uses AT&T wireless and AT&T fiber, they're solid products. I don't see why they wouldn't be doing well. And T-Mobile obviously has their own competitive edge uh, against AT&T, but you know, AT&T, I think really th their fiber product is incredible. 
as somebody who uses it every day, this podcast has done over AT&T Fiber. They've done a really good job with it and it, Fiber should be the future. I think it is. And I think they have an edge on their competitors on the broadband side that are still doing copper and trying to push more and more through the same copper every year. And I just yeah. think the future is fiber. And, and, and a lot of that fiber strategy is pushing their 5G network capabilities as well. So I think AT&T's done a really good job of being conscious about how they roll infrastructure and to maximize uh, its utilization, not only rolling out mid-band when they had both blocks of spectrum that they bought, wait, and, and also when they do that rollout, also rolling out fiber simultaneously and helping to improve their your unit economics quite a bit. I yeah. just think they're really smart with how they've used their capital expenditures. And yeah, I just, it's, I think it's showing with this year's results. Yeah. And you related to, and I call it a tale of two broadbands, like a tale of two cities. And, and certainly um, AT&T's focus, uh, primary focus is on fiber, secondary FWA. T-Mobile's on the other hand, has been decidedly fixed wireless access because that's what they have in their wheelhouse. And I don't want to steal all your thunder. One of the, the big things that I drew from T-Mobile's earnings was a uh, subscriber uh, number that's uh, approaching 5 million, but I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. So I, I followed T-Mobile's earnings. I watched the call because they, they broadcast it live all over the place, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And yeah, I think when you look at T-Mobile's earnings, they gave a really good summary of they got 300K net account additions for postpaid, 1.6 postpaid net customers total. They got 900K postpaid net customer additions, and they had $16 billion in revenue, which was a 3% increase over a year. They had $2 billion in income, which was a 36% increase. And their EBITDA was 7.2 billion. They had 5 billion in net cash, 4.3 billion net cash flow, and the 500K high speed internet net customer additions, as you said, almost got them to 5 million. I think they're like 4.9 or something like that. Yeah. Super yeah. close. And then they also touted their, their 5G footprint now covers 98% of Americans, which thanks to their low band approach. Um, I think there was somewhere where they quoted that they, they have more coverage nationwide of 5G than their competitors combined. Right. In terms of Square miles. Uh, and then they also talked about their ultra capacity network, which is the mid band, which is what everybody cares about. They now have the, they'll recover, they now cover over 300 million people with it, which is far and away, uh, way out, well ahead of where Verizon and TR. They also touted their network performance on Ookla and OpenSignal. Basically, they're unstoppable there. I think the real thing is that they continue to execute on growing their customer bases everywhere. They said TFB, which is their business segment, also had a record quarter you yeah. know, and a record year. Yeah, I think T-Mobile is doing really well. And it's just one of those things where they're about to hit 100 million postpaid customers in addition to their 21 million prepaid customers. Mm-hmm. So they're just, they're a behemoth now. They call themselves the carrier, but I think at this point they are very much carrier. carrier. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think What'll be interesting to see is how their leadership in standalone and network slicing will manifest itself this year on new applications. We know they're doing the beta test with a lot of the video providers. Yeah. 
interesting to see how that manifests itself down the road and whether that creates new services and new opportunities for T-Mobile and its customers. But yeah, I think this was just a really good, solid year for them across the board and very similar to AT&T. I think when you focus on your core business, you'll be really successful. And I have, I've been trying to find this data and I briefly saw it, but I believe they're now in the top five in terms of service providers because they have 5 million subscribers. Yeah. Uh, so they're really growing. I think they might still be top 10, but they're taking a lot of um, business from their competitors. And even though the industry isn't growing at the rate that it used to be, they are still growing faster than the industry, which means they're taking share. And that's been T-Mobile's story since they completed the merger with Sprint. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cover this in my third topic. I'm going to talk about um, a partnership that, that T-Mobile is entering into to um, improve the overall performance because as they put more subscribers on that service, they're going to have to focus on capacity and performance. And they're already, I read some articles around originally T-Mobile was positioning its consumer services unthrottled, unlimited, but there are about 10% of their users that surpass like a terabyte in a given month. But anyway, I'll address that in a second topic, but I agree with you. They're firing all cylinders. I don't think the market reacted very positively to their news as well. I just, I think all in all, Wall Street is just down on, on telecommunications, especially when you look at some of the uh, challenges that the infrastructure providers are also having. So we're, we're not going to go into Nokia's or Ericsson's earnings, but there's some softness there um, for obvious reasons. We've talked about the whole buildup in RAN, you know, that's occurred. So it was definitely going to fall off there. But, yeah, they, um, the reason why investors were unhappy was because I think they missed on EPS. Honestly, as somebody who's been following stocks since I was like five years old, I think the way stocks are priced are ridiculous because if you hit on earnings, you hit on your bottom line and your top line, but you don't have a good guidance, you, you fall. If you have a great guidance yeah. and you didn't hit on one of those two, you fall. So there's always a reason for a stock to fall. And then when a stock shoots through the roof, it's like, there's sometimes no explanation. Yeah. Markets aren't always rational. I'm an economics major. And so we, we can do a whole podcast on irrational exuberance and, and market dynamics and, and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I agree. The fundamentals are there for both AT&T and T-Mobile. And yeah, it's exciting to see them, them battle it out, AT&T on the fiber front and now getting into consumer FWA and obviously T-Mobile on, on the consumer front. And, and to your point, I'm glad you brought it up, T-Mobile for Business is growing as well. That's been an area, it's just complete upside for T-Mobile as they build out their portfolio of services that we talked about on prior podcasts. But let me kick to my second topic, and this is my big one for the week. A lot of my Twitter followers and, and others were clamoring for you and I to lean in on this news around AST and Space Mobile's funding. For, for reasons that we won't share, we were hesitant to jump into the fray. What, one of the things that I like to do is I like to wait for the dust to settle as well before I weigh in. I did that when HPE dropped the bombshell a few weeks ago on its intention to acquire Juniper Networks. I'm glad I did because it gave me an opportunity to speak with executives, get a little more insight on the situation, and then provide a balanced set of facts and, and insights based on that. So I did the same thing with this. This is a pretty much a watershed event for AST Space Mobile. They also provided their stock offering later the same day, which is interesting. 
let's not get into that. We're not financial analysts, we're technology analysts, but I want to talk about just the merits of this deal. And so in a high level, you've got Google and AT&T as new investors, and you have Vodafone that's investing a second round, an aggregate of $155 million. And here's why I think it's compelling. By the way, I just published a Forbes article on this, so it's on LinkedIn, it's on Twitter. All the requisite companies have been tagged. So if you're interested, go hit my feed at Willtown Tech on X Twitter, and you can read more. But at a really high level, why is Google involved in this deal? It's pretty obvious to me. Apple, with its latest iteration of the iPhone, one of the big announcements was tied to um, satellite connectivity and texting. And Apple is doing this, no surprise, in a walled garden fashion. They're doing a lot of that on their own. Google's interest, obviously, is to ensure that Android devices, smartphones, tablets, whatnot, are going to be compatible. And so it, it's a logical investment for them to make in ASD Space Mobile, given ASD Space Mobile has really been out in front. In my estimation, they've been working with AT&T probably twice as long, as an example, than Starlink is with, uh, has been with T-Mobile. The other thing to mention TM in this article is let's compare and contrast where both Starlink and ASD Space Mobile are uh, today uh, with respect to direct to cell phone capability. As you and I have spoken about, Starlink just launched several satellites that support that discrete functionality just in January of this month. In contrast, ASD Space Mobile launched Blue Walker 3 in, in uh, the fall of 2022, I believe. That's all in my article. I'm not looking at it right now. But at a high level, uh, ASD Space Mobile has just had the longer runway. And you can argue back and forth about the pluses and minuses with Starlink and, and, and ASD Space Mobile. It's a good thing to have both of them involved here. But at a high level, it's pretty compelling. And then if you look at, okay, what, what's in it for Vodafone? Vodafone operates in a lot of regions around the world that, that are highly remote. Australia. although. They got 100% out of Australia and they're doing a joint venture now in Australia with another company, but, but Africa, these places are very remote and in a, in a steep and expensive incremental CPE device to connect to terrestrial spectrum to satellites just isn't going to be viable. So I think that's Vodafone's interest in providing um, some gap coverage with some of their, their parts of the world that they serve that are highly remote. And then obviously AT&T gets first mover advantage here and uh, the opportunity maybe to be one of the first out of the gate to monotones. But I will mention, um, since Starlink made their announcement with T-Mobile back in 2022, um, they've since signed on five other mobile network operators. And so they're building that. Um, AST Space Mobile is up to over 40 now. Numbers and numbers, it all, it'll all work itself out in the wash, but I'm still giving the edge to AST Space Mobile when it comes directly to saddle or from satellite to, to cell phone connectivity. I know you wanted to weigh in on this last week. So what are your thoughts this week, my friend? I think my opinions are still the same. I think that this is a really big announcement for AST Space Mobile. And I think it will put them much more on a lot more people's radar because having that investment from at from Google is a validation of their importance to the market and that they are a market leader and not just a small company that's got a very strong following of fans. I think that we probably are still quite a ways away 
from really seeing commercial deployments because that's just the state of things as they are today. But I think we're going to see a lot more trials happening this year. And I think we're going to see potentially more satellites going up and we're just hoping to see more competition in the space and, and maybe hear more from SpaceX now that they've launched the satellites and T-Mobile will hopefully offer more details. So I feel like we're very opaque there. But yeah, even talking to different companies like Link Mobile as well, or Link yeah. Global. And yeah, I'm a big fan of what's going on and seeing these kinds of developments happen. And I think our earlier conversations with MediaTek were very insightful in terms of understanding where the market's at today and where we can really expect it to grow. But I still think we're very much in the 2025, 2026 horizon for these things to be much more commercial. I might be devil's advocate there. The title of my article basically paraphrases, is 2024 the year of low Earth orbit satellite services? I think we are going to begin to see something this year. But um, to your point, we may not see to the crescendo of, of all of that activity until 2025. But in T-Space Mobile, as an example, they're still focused on deploying their commercial satellites in the first calendar quarter of this year. Time will tell. But hey, let's move to your second topic. Um, you want to talk about the, the OnePlus 12. I recently launched and you've got some insights based on your experience with it. Yes, OnePlus 12 is out now. I have it somewhere. I actually messed up and didn't bring it with me to my desk. But yeah, it's a great phone. It is another Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 device. What's really a big deal about it is, first of all, it's like a really good camera. I would say it's probably one of the best cameras I've used on a smartphone. And the photos just look amazing. And I have a, a very cute dog and a very cute baby to take photos of. Good measure. And right now, because they're just launching this device, they also have like really aggressive deals. So first of all, this is an $800 phone. So it's already the same price as the base level S24, but it has Wi-Fi 7 standard. And it comes with 12 gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of storage, which is more than what Samsung offers. I think Samsung starts at eight gigs. Also, if you pre-order, if you order the OnePlus 12 now as a pre-order, they automatically upgrade you to 16 gigs of RAM and 250 or 512 gigs of storage, which has been insane for 800 bucks. On top of that, they do trade-in offers where they'll give you $100 no matter what kind of phone you have and no matter what kind of um, condition it's in. And they're also offering up to $700 in trading credit if you have a really good phone. And yeah, they're even offering 12 months financing through APR. They're also giving $30 coupon to the Buds 3, which also launched, which I do have right here. Nice little blue container case. But yeah, the truth is, it's a great phone. I really don't have any bad things to say about it. it has wireless charging, just 50 watt wireless charging, which is crazy. And it also does wired 100 watt charging if you have a 240 plug and 80 watt if you're in the US because 120 has a limit on what it can produce at certain voltages. So yeah, it, it's a great phone and it comes very well equipped and some of the reviews are extremely glowing. I haven't finished using it. I can't say for sure that it's my favorite phone, but honestly, if you're not getting the S24 Ultra, this is probably the phone to get. You're not spending over a thousand dollars because the S24 Ultra is $1,300. So if you're not trying to break the bank, but still want flagship to your phone, honestly, the OnePlus 12 is it. I can't really consciously say that I would recommend the S24 base model or even the Plus over this one. 
I'm still waiting for my S24. It'll probably come in the next few days. But I only see the S24 Ultra being better than this thing and only because the Ultra is similar in specs and has a lot of more capabilities. But the one thing that is missing from the OnePlus 12, and that's a downer, but that's only really irrelevant if you're on Verizon. And the other thing is they have a OnePlus 12R, which is like their budget version of this phone. That one is $500. That one starts at 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage, but it's $500. And it has last generation Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. So it's still a very fast SoC, not as fast as the current gen. It has a smaller charging capability. It doesn't do, I don't think it has wireless charging, but it does still have a 5,500 milliamp hour battery. You're going to have crazy long battery life out of that phone. Also, base model OnePlus 12, which is the higher end model, that one has a 5,400 milliamp hour battery, which is bigger than the S24 Ultra. They're doing some really incredible things with the OnePlus 12. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential here. And the only problem is it's not really available in carrier stores, but it seems like they're doing pretty well just selling direct to consumer on the user reviews. And the truth is there's a lot of people out there that I've talked to who actually know who OnePlus is that I was really surprised by when I talked to them about it. Yeah, they've really grown their footprint and their brand. And I know you're a shutterbug and they need some pretty awesome optics, right? On their phones, hassled out or glad yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's called. So. Nice stuff, man. Hey, let's go to my third and final for the week. And I want to talk about T-Mobile and Nokia teaming up to speed up T-Mobile's 5G fixed wireless access service. And I caught this news and basically under this new arrangement, Nokia is going to offer its multi-access gateway or what they call their MAG solution, which is going to allow T-Mobile to improve not only scalability, but time to market. And that's super important because as we were discussing earlier, as T-Mobile adds more and more subscribers, they're going to have to be very careful about how that scale, how the performance plays out for consumers and for their business internet customers as well. But, but this product supports LTE, which obviously is important, as well as 5G, non-standalone and standalone. And what else? I'm reading the article here. Nokia is stating that it's up to be technology will support residential broadband applications such as high-depth video streaming that significantly consumes more bandwidth than mobile applications. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I applaud T-Mobile for staying ahead of this, knowing that as they grow this footprint, they're going to have to start making some important decisions to keep that service quality high because the last thing they want to do is get all of these subscribers signed up and then they start having to throttle users and, and that sort of thing. And that creates churning. That's an ugly number that everyone in the mobility industry looks at. So what do you think? Makes sense, huh? Yeah, I think I didn't, I, I briefly caught this after I saw that it was one of your uh, topics. Yeah. Um, I, I, I vaguely remember hearing about this technology. I guess the question is like, how does this, in terms of infrastructure, what's different with this MAG solution compared to what's already in place? No, that's a great, that's a great question. And it has to do with routing. So the, the routing capability is, is much more robust. And so it's, I don't want to get too technical for our viewers and listeners, but an NPU assisted user plane architecture, 
So it's, it's just a, a new bad house architecture. And right. it's, it may, it may be something, you know, I didn't have time to dig into it. I'm, I might do that, but it might be taking routing technology that's typically been used in, in enterprise use cases and bringing that down market into consumer. But it's just an improvement in, in its routing capability. That's the secret. Got it. Okay. So it's basically just a, a better router for pushing more data through. More efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, man, let's, let's wrap it up with your third topic. And I didn't catch this news, so I'm going to be interested to hear it from you, but it sounds like in India that there may be some penalties for operators that are slow rolling 5G. Yeah. So India's Department of Telecommunications, they sent out notices to Vodafone and uh, Adani Data Networks, asking them to explain why they failed to meet their minimum rollout obligations that are stipulated in their 5G licenses. If you remember last year, India finally released their spectrum for 5G in October, and it's been very, a very rapid deployment for companies like Geo, who have met their requirements. What I'm hearing is that some of these fines may be as high as $1.6 million. And that there haven't been responses to these requests, but Reliance and Barty Airtel were both pretty quick to launch their launch their services and talk quite a bit about Geo's capabilities and what they're doing. So they're very far and ahead. But yeah, they said that they said that in August, officials at the uh, Vodafone idea said that they confirmed that they would not meet their rollout obligations in 15 of the 17 circles of spectrum they purchased last year. So they are in trouble. And they said that this article says that companies actually face difficulty for some time and are debt laden and are struggling to pay their dues with vendor partners and were saved from the brink of collapse by the government last year. The government actually owns a Vodafone idea to the tune of 35.8%. And Donnie's also missed obligations and they're trying to do some private network deployments, but it seems like they're, they're still not meeting their requirements. It's, it's interesting to see that the Indian regulator is actually holding these operators to account. And it might be yeah. because there's other players who want to take advantage of that spectrum and they okay. can't. It's being um, misused or underutilized and in a market like India where uh, things move quickly. Uh, I think there's a, there's an appetite for not not hoarding spectrum. And you could also make the argument that India has been a region that was very slow to get spectrum auctions rolling to support 5G. And so now with catch-up mode, and we've been talking about the, the the race to 5G and how could that enable competitive advantage and, and economic prowess and that sort of thing, like the whole China versus U.S. thing. India is you know, definitely behind in, in that regard. And so this just might be the government going to the regulation bodies and saying, hey, listen, let's, let's get these folks to move. And we've certainly seen that with DISH in the U.S., the, the spectrum that they've squatted on for years. But let's not beat that horse because we could dedicate a whole another podcast to that. But yeah, I know it's interesting. And, and to your point, India's its economic growth is, continues to be quite strong. And so 5G can feel that from my perspective. But anyway, I know I rambled a little bit here. It's been a long couple of weeks. That's why I'm in the Florida Keys. I plan to 
relax a little bit more. And I hope that you get some, so much needed Ross with Shoshana and your wife and just congratulations again there on the birth of your daughter. But why don't you take us home, my friend? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific strategy topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Tech and I'm at Anshel Saad. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week. And don't forget to rate and subscribe.